Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Cool. Do you have your Bibles? You do? Do you still bring your Bibles? Who actually looks at their Bible when the preacher is preaching the Word these days? Come on, let's bring our Bibles. I want the 2017 to be a year where we start going back to old school, bringing our Bibles. Why not? Because Jesus knew where certain things were written in the scrolls. When the scrolls were handed to Him, He would go to the place where it was written, which means He knew where they were in the Scriptures. And uh, I think for many of us, if we was told to go to a certain part of the Bible, we'd be like, there, be there, be there, be there. Hey, let's not become word illiterate, which is really what this series is all about. And so I want to read from Philippians, which is in the New Testament. New Testament, Philippians, it's a letter written by the great Apostle Paul and he wrote this particular letter from jail. I want you to remember that as we go into this Scripture today. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. He's in jail, he's penning some thoughts and he says this, Not that I've already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take a hold of that which Christ took a hold of me. Here's an older man, he's in jail. If anybody had an excuse to say, woe is me, it would be this man, but he didn't. If any man had said, look, I've run my race, I'm done, it would be this man, but he didn't. He was always recognising that while he had life in his body, there was a job to be done. If you're not dead, you're not done. Doesn't matter how old you are, Betty, 85 years young. If you're not dead, you're not done. You have a job to do. You have a mandate to fulfil. And uh, let's not be of this world that just kind of gets in retirement mode because we reach a certain age. Any free time you have because of retirement means you have an opportunity to speak the Word of God, in particular to our young people. Our young people need you. Do not retire on us. Do not give up on us. We need your wisdom. We need your experience. We need your expertise because we have a young generation that are in desperate need of it. So there's no retiring in the Kingdom, but we are going to have a year of refiring. Amen. Just like Paul here, he says, one thing I do, I press on. Verse 13, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but the one thing I do. Everyone say one thing. Forgetting what is behind. 2016, Gone. Forgetting 2016 is behind us. I don't know if it was a good year or a bad year. I think for most of us, it was a kind of an unusual one to say the least. But here's the thing I know, it's in the past. It is gone. And all your worry and all your talk about it will not change 2016 one iota. I don't want you allowing your past to dictate your future. Paul says, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Verse 15, he says, all of us who are mature then uh, should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Everyone say goal. Goal. 
Paul says, I, I strive to reach my goal. He mentions it a number of times in this passage. He's so passionate about what he's sharing here. He's so passionate and so convinced about what he's saying. He's saying this, I pray that if you disagree with me on any one thing, that God will show you how right I am and how wrong you are. That's what he's saying here. And so we need to listen up. If we are in contradiction to what Paul is saying, I'm trusting that God will bring a revelation and illumination into our spirit over this series that we might be like Paul and forget what is behind and press on to the goal to win the prize. Who knows there's a difference between the goal and the prize? There is a big difference between the goal and the prize. This weekend, in America is Super Bowl Sunday. That might not mean much to you or me, but there are a few fans out there. It's Super Bowl Sunday. But whether it's Super Bowl Sunday or whether it's the AFL Grand Final in September or any other sport of your fancy, when it comes to the Grand Final time, they're all playing for a prize. Whatever that prize is, they're playing for a cup, a shield, a trophy, whatever it is, it's a prize that they are playing for. But in order to get the prize, they've got to reach the goal. Can you imagine come AFL Grand Final Day with 30 seconds on the clock, five points behind, Tex Walker has the ball He's 30 metres out in front of the goal, uh, directly in front. And all he has to do is take a few steps back, nice little drop punt straight through the goal, which will take them to the lead in order to win the prize. Can you imagine if Tex Walker had a brain snap and was so enamoured with the prize so, so keen to get his hand on the prize that instead of aiming for the goal, he turned and kicked toward the prize. Who knows what would happen? If he kicked toward the prize, he would miss the goal and so not receive the prize. Paul says, I aim to the goal in order to win the prize. In order to win the prize, you've got to get the goal. The question is for us as Christians, what is Paul talking about when he's talking about the goal? And that's what I wanna to talk to you this morning as we set this series up. Paul is saying the goal is simply to know Christ. That's the goal. And that's why Paul could have joy even when he was in prison because the goal was not to avoid prison. The goal was to know Christ. And Paul learnt that he could know Christ just as well in prison as he could outside of prison. Paul says it this way, I've learnt to be content with and without. I've learnt to be content whether I'm well fed or hungry, whether clothed or naked, whether at sea or on the land. I've learnt to be content because the goal of my faith is to know Jesus and I can know Jesus in any and every one of those circumstances. His faith was not dependent upon where He was. His, dependent, his circumstance was not dependent upon what He was wearing. His circumstance did not change because the goal did not change. And so as a result, He always made knowing Christ the goal. 
And I trust as we move into 2017, our goal would be to know Him. Everyone say, know Him. That's the goal of our faith, to know Him. Paul says again in Philippians, sorry, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 15 to 17, which is a little bit of a life verse of mine. Paul says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. He says in verse 17, and I want you to get this. He says, I keep asking. He doesn't back off. Paul was one of those annoying, repetitive guys who just kept asking, just kept knocking, just kept reminding. I imagine people going to see Paul in jail and say, how are you, Paul? He says, I'm good, how are you? Do you remember to to make Jesus the goal? I keep asking, he says. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may be more comfortable, that you might be richer, that you might have the best sports car going. Is that what Paul said? And yet we see so much of it. No, no, no. Paul says, I pray that you would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in order that one thing would happen, that you might know Him better. The good news is here, if you know Him, you can know Him better than you presently know Him. And that should be the goal of our faith today, to know Him better. And if you are a person who's visiting today or you've been checking us out and you can't say in your heart of hearts, I know Christ, the good news is you can know Him. According to Paul, if you don't know Him, you can know Him. And if you know Him, you can know Him better. That's the good news. And that's why Paul keeps saying, I keep pressing on, I keep pressing on because there's more to learn about God. In the book of Revelation, there's this creature that had wings all over its body and it said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It's a strange picture to me that this angelic being would have eyes on its wings, eyes under its wings. I mean, it's just like crazy. Why would you need so many eyes? I believe because there's so much to see. There's so, much, uh, there's so much to know about God that we will spend not only a lifetime, but all eternity getting to know Him because of the magnitude and the beauty of this incredible God. And just when you think you know all you can know, you lift up this wing and you see something else. Oh my goodness, I never saw that before. And when you just think you've seen everything you can, you turn around and because there's eyes on your back. Oh, I didn't see that before. This is what Paul is saying. We can know Him better. See, this series, we're going to be looking at things that are essential to knowing Him better. These are disciplines that deliver. These are disciplines that are going to help us to know Christ. We're going to be looking at some things like prayer. We're going to be looking at things like the Word and the church. And we're going to be looking at the F word. See, the F word in church is a little bit different than the F word in the world. The F word in the church is that word fasting. We're going to be looking at fasting and these are some disciplines that are going to help us to get closer to God and to know Him more intimately than we have ever known Him before. They are tools that are essential to achieving the goal, to know Christ. They are not the goal. Some people I know, they just love praying or they just love studying, but you can't, that's not the goal. The goal to study is not just to study, The goal is to know Him. 
Are you with me? You see, God does not want to be studied. God wants to be known. There's a big difference with just having a Bible study and learning about God versus reading the Word and getting to know Him. There's a big difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone intimately. All of us know of Donald Trump. If you Google Donald Trump's name, you'll get to know about him. You'll get to know all kinds of things about him. But there's not a person in this room who can honestly say you know him because you haven't spent the time with him. The only way you're ever going to know anybody is to get to spend time with them. You can read all about them, but that doesn't mean that you have an intimate knowledge of who they are. God doesn't want to be studied, church. He wants to be known. We can't make the Bible an idol. The Bible is a tool that's going to help us get to know Him better. Amen. So if we have Bible studies, praise God for Bible studies. But may they be studies that take us deeper in our understanding and knowledge of who He is. In Acts chapter 17, Paul commends, or sorry, Luke, the writer, commends the noble Bereans. He says they were of noble character, not like the others. He says the Athenians... They loved to discuss God and they would sit around and discuss the latest ideas, but they never did anything with it. We don't want to be a church that just read our Bible every day, but never get to know Him. Because I believe to know Him is to love Him. And when you love Him, you will serve Him. I do not believe it's possible to say that you're a follower of Jesus and yet you don't come to a local church because the local church is His bride. And to say you're in relationship with God, but not His bride doesn't wash with anyone. Imagine wanting to be a friend with me, but you hate my wife. It's not going to work. And so we want to look at some of these disciplines over the next few weeks. How does that sound? And the reason I'm so passionate about this is because too often we chase the prize at the expense of the goal. And so today I want to look at three prizes in life that are all good and godly, but nonetheless can derail us. Three prizes that are good and godly, but nonetheless, if we make them the goal, they will derail us. They are prizes, they are not the goal. They are things that God is happy for us to receive, but not happy for us to make the goal. They are things that we receive as a byproduct of the goal, but not the goal themselves. Do you want to know what those three things are? Number one, recognition. Everyone say recognition. 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 Uh, first, I want to say that God loves recognition. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, it says, You are the light of the world, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. God doesn't want us to hide away. God wants us to stand up and be bold and courageous. Uh, he's not against recognition in and of itself. The Bible is full of recognition. Noah was recognised for building an ark. 120 years it took. The only people he converted was his immediate family. And he was recognised for great faith. David was recognised in the Scriptures as a young man who ran toward the giant Goliath and took off his head. David for all time and eternity will forever be recognised for that great act of faith. Peter on the day of Pentecost, stood up 
in front of a large crowd and preached under the power of the Holy Spirit. And 3,000 people came to know Christ that day. And Peter was recognised for that and will be for all of eternity. God is not against recognition. Jesus Himself received recognition. In actual fact, the Bible says that if everything that Jesus did was recognised, there wouldn't be enough books in the world to put it all in. God is not against recognition. Jesus is not against us receiving recognition. Jesus Himself received that recognition, but He didn't make it the goal. While Jesus has been recognised for many things, when the devil came to Him in Matthew chapter 4, and tempted him in the desert. He said, hey, if you will bow down and worship me, I'll I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth. You'll be so recognised. You'll be recognised as the most powerful man on the planet. That's recognition. If Jesus was chasing recognition, He would have taken that offer. But Jesus never made recognition the goal. It was a byproduct. Of the goal. It was something that came after chasing Jesus, uh, chasing God the Father. And so when the devil tested him, he said, No, away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God. He wanted to know the Father. What was the goal? To know the Father. What's the goal of us believers today? It's to know Christ. We don't do what we do to be recognized. It's amazing to me that only a few days ago, I had the incredible privilege to stand next to a, a mentor and a hero in the faith to me of many, many years. I got to speak at a leader's table next to Pastor Phil Pringle. It was an incredible honour. You see, 30 odd years ago, I used to, as a teenage boy, go to his conferences and I received no recognition for that. And I did it for many, many years. I did it as a young church planner and I did it as a senior pastor and I did it for many, many years and I never received recognition. But all of a sudden in the last few months, I've received some recognition. God is not against that, but I was never chasing it. There was no one more than me pinching myself as to how the heck did I get here speaking next to Bill Pringle? And apparently I did a really good job just saying, just putting it out there. But I really enjoyed it. And I received the recognition for what I bought. And I thank God for that. But it's not why I went into ministry. It's not why we started the church. And 23 years after starting our church, I want to tell you, church, we are not seeking recognition. Our recognition is growing. People are hearing more about us, but that's not why we are doing this. In my heart of hearts, I have a passion to know Him and to make Him known. And I want Victory Church moving into 2017 to be a church that desperately seeks after Him. I want our desire to be that we would know Christ more at the end of this year than we do at the beginning of this year. Is there anyone in this room who feels the same? Yeah. So recognition isn't bad. It's not the enemy, but it's not the goal either. When you're striving for recognition, it won't last. And this is one of the things I love about the local church is that you get to serve and this area of our life gets to be tested regularly. See, if we're serving to be recognised, the great thing about the church is you're gonna have an opportunity to serve and not get recognised and see how you handle that. 
Even today, as I mentioned about Suz Mangos and the team for what they did, the incredible job at, at the movies. I, I don't know, maybe in some of you, something went off and said, well, wh why didn't he acknowledge me? And you know what? When those moments happen, they are God loving us and getting our attention as to where we're really at. See, it's so easy in those moments to project, why didn't He recognise me? When the real question is, why do I feel I need to be recognised? Since when did that ever become the goal? And I'm trusting that our self-awareness through the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit this year would begin to arrest us more and more and more. I'm believing that some of the pastoral care can be halved this year as we seek God and do business with Him and the things we would have gone to pastors about, God is now addressing us about. Let's not make recognition the goal. Let's make Christ the goal. First one is recognition. It's something God wants us to have, but not to make the goal. The second one is results. Everyone say results. See, God talks a lot about fruitfulness in the Word of God. In actual fact, in Genesis chapter 1, He spoke over Adam and Eve and He said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth. So fruitfulness is a part of God's plans. God expects results. Jesus told a parable, a parable of the talents. He said there were three men and they were given certain talents and two of them doubled their talent. And they were rewarded and they were told, well done, good faithful servant. See, there is an expectation that we would have results. There's an expectation that we would be fruitful. In actual fact, the one that wasn't fruitful was rebuked. So God is not against results. He is for results. And who had more results than Jesus? Jesus is incredible. I mean, people were healed and they were raised from the dead and blind eyes were opened and, and mutes began to speak and those with deaf ears began to hear. Jesus had incredible results. There was incredible fruit to the life of Jesus' ministry. And yet, for all that Jesus did, He was more concerned about the Father's will than He was the results. When his profile was increasing, you can read this in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Jesus withdrew to a solitude place or a lonely place, a place where he was all by himself. And the disciples couldn't find him. They went looking for him. It's like hide and seek. Where's Jesus? And so they, they went to look for him. And when they found him, they said, Jesus, there's a whole heap of people who want to see you. Talk about results. And Jesus said, I need to go somewhere else because that's where my Father's leading me. Jesus wasn't caught up in the accolades of men. He was more concerned with the approval of the Father. You can do lots of things for God, but still not know Him. You know, one of the challenging, most challenging verses in Scripture that I know is found in Matthew chapter 7. Verse 21 says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons? And in your name perform many miracles. That's results. 
That's results. I'm sure you'd agree. That's effectiveness. That's results. That's fruitfulness, yeah? And Jesus is going to respond to them with, I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me. See, Christianity is not about what you do and what you don't do. Christianity is about a relationship with our Creator that's founded on the work of Jesus Christ. And the more we get to know Him, the more it changes our heart. And so the results and that which we produce, the things we begin to do and the things we stop doing are a result of knowing Him. Not fulfilling a list of rules and regulations. Being married for 25 years, as I mentioned earlier, on Wednesday, the 8th of February, at 3.15, we got married because you were 15 minutes late. In true bride fashion. 35 degrees, we're waiting for you to show up. But can I say this? It was worth the wait. But I would have to say this, that being married to Kath has changed me. I'm not the same person. And it wasn't because we had a contract. It wasn't, you must not do this anymore. You must not do that anymore. It came out of a love relationship. And the more I got to know her, the more I realised and got to know what she loved and what she didn't love. I soon learned that she did not like the toilet seat up. And I remember having this little argument, thinking, what's that matter? It's just the toilet seat. And I remember getting arrested one day by this thought, if Kath doesn't want it up, out of a love relationship with her, would you put it down? And it changed my view on the toilet seat. <laughs> I'm a staunch advocate for toilet seat down, men. I've changed. And that's just one itty bitty example of how many changes have been made. Not because of a contract, but because of a covenant we entered into called marriage. In sickness and in health, till death do us part. And that's the covenant I entered into with Jesus. In sickness and in health. I was sicker in 2016 than I've been in my whole life put together before that. But I can honestly say I came out of that year more in love with Jesus because my love for Him and my relationship with Him was not dependent on my health. It was dependent on what He did 2,000 years ago that does not change. Are you with me to this morning, church? The third thing this morning that God wants us to have but can get in the way of the goal is relationships. See, God 
not only loves recognition, he not only loves results, but he also absolutely 100% loves relationships. It was God Himself who said in the Garden of Eden, having created Adam, He said, it's not good that man be alone. And so He created the most amazing creature on the planet, woman. You miss your chance, women, you miss your chance. Because he realised relationships are important. Marriage is God's idea. Family, children is God's idea. So relationships are very important to God. Jesus Himself cares about relationships. When Jesus was on the cross in excruciating pain, He looked at His disciple John and then looked over to his mother and in a whisper said, take care of my mom." Jesus is into relationships. Every relationship here, the husbands and the wives and the sons and the daughters and the aunties and the uncle, we celebrate that in this church. It's a beautiful thing. It's a godly thing. but it's not the goal. See, why some people come to church, give their life to Jesus and meet a man or a woman and then leave is because they made the goal of their church experience about finding a partner for life. And that is not the goal. It's a byproduct. I thank God for my wife. I love her dearly. But my wife never died for me. My wife never saved me from my sin. And so as much as I love her, I can't love her more than Jesus because Jesus has done so much more. And the goal of my faith is not my wife. The goal of my faith is Christ. And out of that intimate knowledge and understanding of who He, who he is more and more each day, I bring my family along the journey. I said to our leaders just the other day, you know, if I, if I was to pass away, God forbid, and I almost did last year, and it got me thinking about this again. What would I want for my wife? I would want my wife to get on with her life. I would want her, if she saw fit, to get married again. I would want my kids to have a robust faith. I would not want them to lose their faith and shake their fist at God because their dad wasn't with them. I had to face that very real issue last year. because I'm not her saviour. I'm not my kid's saviour. I get a short moment here on planet earth to steward what God has given me and how well I steward them has a bearing in my eternity. And I don't want to allow the precious gift that God has given me in family and friends to be the very thing that gets in the way of the one who gave it to me and made it possible in the first place. 
I know that's very sensitive and very raw for some of you in this room today because of you've lost loved ones. I get it. But I feel I'm here representing the heart of Jesus right now. So no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, maybe you've just been dumped by your boyfriend or dumped by your girlfriend. Maybe you lost your job. Hey, can we, can we be resolute in our faith? Can we stand our ground? Can we hold our line? As Paul did when he wrote from prison and says, one thing I do, I press on toward the goal. Hey, as a pastor of this church, we're not here just to waste your time. We're not here just to keep you busy. We're not here just getting you to do some religious exercises to make you feel good about yourself. This whole series has a healthy relationship with Jesus in mind. If we didn't have to come to church, I wouldn't be here. If we didn't have to read our Bible, I wouldn't do it. But I don't know of any other way to get to know Him without these disciplines in place. If you wanna lose weight, for example, there's a couple of disciplines you have to do. Exercise and eating right are two disciplines you'd have to do to change yourself physically. You can't get over, under or around it. You can argue it till the cows come home, but essentially without those two essential ingredients, your physical shape is not gonna change. And without us embracing these essentials over these next few weeks, our spiritual dimension is not gonna grow. It's not gonna change. This is not about us becoming religious bigots, boasting about how much we go to church or how much we read the Bible. This is out of a desperate desire to know Him. It's out of a desperate desire to know this One who knows me intimately, loves me passionately, and died for me, that I might live for Him. This is at the heart of this particular series, as the band comes up, that'd be great. The Bible says, those that know their God will do great exploits. I heard recently at a conference, this beautiful example. If I asked or told you to ask for a thousand dollars of a complete stranger, that ask would be way too big for most of us, myself included. But imagine asking for that same amount of money off your dad or your mum or someone you knew very well. The ask is not as big. What changed the ask? It's the intimate knowledge of the person you're asking from. When I think of a young boy running at a, guy, a, a giant called Goliath, that seems crazy. What caused a young man to run at that giant? What he said gives us the answer. He said, how dare this uncircumcised Philistine come against the army of the living God? He knew his God. 
I believe the exploits, the recognition, the results, and all those other things we crave will come out of as a byproduct of a relationship of knowing Him. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 